Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, another 2021-2022 post-game recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's live and tonight's episode, it will be a short one. It will be talking about the Clippers and the Grizzlies. The Clippers dropping to 0-2 against the Memphis Grizzlies this season. As my Dime Jumper fam knows, my second least favorite franchise in the NBA. Because of the rivalry that the Clippers had, the closest thing the Clippers have ever had to a rivalry in my eyes, the early 2010s, Lob City Clips versus Grit and Grind Grizz. We move on to 0-2. We drop to 0-2 against them this season with the loss tonight in commanding fashion for Memphis. They blew the absolute doors off of us in the second half, particularly in the late third quarter and early fourth quarter. 120-108, Memphis wins it at the FedEx Forum, but it was much uglier than that, I can assure you. Before the game, we heard that Nico Batum wasn't going to be playing, but Terrence Mann is back after a one-game absence with the ankle sprain. We did not see him against San Antonio. At least we did see him in suit, or not suit, in street clothes. We did not see him in Clipper attire, but tonight we did. However, Ty Lu made the somewhat controversial decision of starting the brewmaster, Amir Coffey, instead of Terrence Mann. And I don't think that it paid off too well. You can't fault him for experimenting. But I don't think that no, neither Terrence nor Coffey benefited from this. Not to say that it's Ty's fault that they had bad games. But I just don't think they were good enough. And in the beginning of the game... There's a clear matchup problem when we play the Grizzlies, and I'll tell you what it is. The obvious basic thing is youth and athleticism. So you look at their youth, right? You got John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain. Every single one of those players are in their fourth year or less. I think Dylan Brooks may be in his fifth season, but fifth year or less. Then you have obviously Steven Adams. Zubats is a bit younger than him, but PG has mileage. Bledsoe and Reggie Jackson have been in the league for around 10 years plus, or around 10 years. Yeah, 10 years plus at this point, I believe so, with Reggie at least. I know with Bledsoe, he came in 2010, so this is his 12th season. But Amir Coffey, yeah, he gives us some youth, but they're an athletic team and they're pretty long, especially with Jaron Jackson playing the four because he's the size of a normal four. He just doesn't play like one anymore because now he's just a three-point chucker for the most part. But I thought that he had a good game tonight because he mixed it up a little more than usual. But I'll tell you what, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defense is really good. He's got really long arms, and as I said, he's the size of a four, but he can stretch the floor, which it's, it's basically like having you know, your big threes out there, like your Nick Batum's what he does for us. But you look at the size of their lineup with just Jaron Jackson Jr. alone at the four, who's our four? Who's our second tallest guy? Paul George. And it's the same problem the Lakers have with 80 at the five and LeBron out. It's like, at least with Paul George and Batum, when we have them, we have two bigger forwards that are like, you know, kind of do what LeBron does. They're 
when the big man gets pulled out, which is Zoo, they're able to rotate underneath and rebound and deter the rolling big men. But tonight, what kept happening is the same thing that happened in LA when we went to the game on opening night. If you haven't checked out the opening night vlog against the Grizzlies, why don't you go check it out? It's there, and it's a good one, opening night. But John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks, who was fantastic shooting the ball tonight, it seemed like all of them were fantastic shooting the ball tonight. They shot 54% as a team, 52 out of 96, and then 11 of 26 from three, 42%. And guess what? They shot 13 less threes than us. Even though we shot the ball well from three, in the end, when we started falling behind, and this was what you won't see with the stats, we shot 41% as a team, but we started missing threes over and over towards the end, or should I say towards the part where the Grizzlies created separation. And that was it for us. And I think that the Grizzlies, I saw a stat tonight, that they are number one in points in the paint this season and number two in second chance points. And we saw exactly why. Before I continue, I also want to say thanks to everybody that showed up to the color cast today. I had an opportunity to try out for a commentating little gig where if I get hired or hired or chosen, I can get $100 per game that they designate. And tonight we had a thousand likes, not from different people, but we were spamming hearts and always consistently five to 15 people inside the inside the chat room or whatever inside our cast so thanks to everybody that joined joined in and tuned in and hopefully they cho they choose us but let's continue with the game i immediately noticed the problem in the first quarter it's the same problem we had last time where when john morant's coming off those screens we don't want to trap him for some reason we don't want to you know either blitz or hard hedge recover and you know, let somebody take Steven Adams on the short roll. We seem uncomfortable with that because they burned us with their shooters last time. So we tried to play them more straight up in drop coverage and Zubat's playing in between roller and ball handler like we did against San Antonio. Problem is, even though DeJounte Murray's pretty good in this mid-in-between game, nobody's like John Morant. And it wasn't just John Morant in the beginning. It was Desmond Bain. It was Dylan Brooks. They were all hitting their mid-ranges. And Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe, especially Reggie Jackson, was just dying on screens. It's as if, And Adams is a great screen setter, maybe the best screen setter in the league. So that's part of why it is. And we saw that in the first matchup when we played them in LA when I was there. Steven Adams sets the screen. It's like our guard dies. It's basically like John Morant's going downhill against Zubats. And Zubats has to basically guard two players. So now people are saying, Oh, Zubats played like trash. Zubats was ass. Totally disagree. I think Zubats is in a tough. Zubats is in a tough position when all our guards, Eric and Reggie, are dying on screens when Adams is setting them. And look, I don't watch every Grizzlies game. Maybe those looks are there every single game when people play pick and roll straight up with Ja Morant and Stephen Adams because Stephen Adams is a great screen setter, as I said. And Ja, you know, his floaters are on point. He was hitting all of them. He was hitting his mid-range. He was popping at the elbow. Dylan Brooks was doing the same. Desmond Bain was doing the same. But luckily for us, Ivica Zubats was keeping us in the game. And I thought we did a decent job of swinging the ball and feeding Paul George. And he gets all of our team good looks. It's incredible. I mean, just his presence. He can always blow by one guy or always get a good shot off. And Dylan Brooks was trying very hard to give him the what we saw with Steph Curry in the playing game on him as much as possible, fight him off the ball. I like Dylan Brooks' mentality, you know. In the color cast today, Nick said, 
he likes he has got a little bit of an old school feel to him because even though he is a chucker, he doesn't have that he has no you know, he does not know any what's the word? He's got the green light. He's got that green light constantly, but I thought that his shot selection was better than he normally does than is than it normally is tonight. He usually shoots a lot of threes. Tonight, only three attempts from deep, and he only made one of them. Seven of 14 from the field, so he shot six of 11 from two. And a lot of those were in that mid-range area, and it felt like he hit damn near everything. And he made it tough on Paul George. But thankfully, Ivica Zubats was doing a good job rebounding and rolling and being underneath the basket for somebody to penetrate and dish. And he got a couple of buckets, a couple of nice jump hooks, and he had a great first quarter. Second quarter, I thought we did a good job because Paul George started getting going. He started hitting threes. He started doing his thing. Luke Kennard came in and gave us a nice boost, hitting three threes in the first half. And Amir Coffey, you know, he made some mistakes. For example, he st- his foot, his heel was out of bounds twice in the corner. That's something that, you know, we're kind of spoiled seeing Nick Batum do so well. He never really gets those out of bounds in the corners. And both times in the left and the right corner, I believe, Amir Coffey stepped out of bounds. There was even a time early in the third quarter where Eric Bledsoe did not trust his passing ability to lob it over the top to Zubats. They were fronting him. Instead, waited for the weak side defender to try to cheat over and cross-courted it to Amir Coffey, whose, whose foot was out of bounds. But because of Paul George, because Reggie Jackson, despite his terrible defense, was still hitting some threes and hitting some shots, our three-point shooting and the fact that we were shooting so well, and a lot of it was because of good movement of the ball, and it's because of Paul George. We made it a four-point game, 52-56 to 56 at the half, and we, staked, we stuck around for basically half the third quarter. And again, Paul George was just carrying us. It felt like maybe, it just felt as though he was going to need some assistance, though, and he wasn't really getting it throughout the game. I mean... He only ended up playing 31 minutes because Ty pulled him out early, which we'll get into in a second. But in that third quarter, in that first half of the third quarter, he was hitting ridiculous threes. Like, I felt bad for Dylan Brooks, honestly, because he was playing such good defense, but Paul was just untouchable. However, we could not stop them, and we could not rebound. They killed us on the glass. We had 34 rebounds in the game, and they had 47. And they had 12 offensive rebounds to our seven. And a lot of that was Jaron Jackson Jr. A lot of that was a little bit of, you know, I'm pretty sure Steven Adams. Yeah, five offensive rebounds for Steven Adams, two offensive rebounds for Jaron Jackson Jr. And that was really frustrating. And a lot of why that was happening was because the same thing. And in the third quarter, it was really exclusively Jaw. It was Jaw getting putting Reggie Jackson or Eric Bledsoe in pick and rolls, and they looked like they were feasting on Reggie Jackson throughout the game. And Reggie, he usually, as as far as this season, has held his own better on defense this year, but tonight he was not able to guard anybody. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter if it was pick and roll. It didn't matter if it was in transition. He wasn't even putting an effort on guys. And Eric Bledsoe wasn't much better either. In that third quarter, they put him in, he was guarding John Morant, died on every screen even like you know he went underneath and jaw was hitting threes and we've seen that in both matchups when we played him this year we go onto the screen he hits threes 
So I guess we have, and honestly, we maybe should just keep going under because the, the going over approach does not work any better. Zoo has to do a much better job, though, of stepping up and taking away that floater. I like it better when guards try to go all the way to the cup on Zoo, so he has a step or two to recover and chase down and block from behind. Zoo gets chased down blocks. I think sometimes, though, he underestimates his foot speed, and he stays too far back, and guys step into comfortable mid-ranges, floaters, or threes. We saw threes the other night with Zach Levine, and we saw floaters with John Morant. I think Zoo needs to come up a little bit and rely on the rotations. The problem is without Nico, not only are those rotations not as sharp, there's not as tall or long of a guy that is rotating to that big man that is Steven Adams or Jaron Jackson Jr. In a lot of cases, Steven Adams tonight. And with we only had Paul George out there tonight that had that length, that had that athleticism, that was a true forward. Everybody else, the Canards, the Reggie Jacksons, the Bledsoe's, even the Brewmaster, the Brewmaster does not have the same chemistry communicating with the starting five. And that's the thing. You know, Nico Batum is such an important communicator. You, when, when a starting five starts to click defensively as a team, they hear each other's voices. They know where each other is. They know which pick and rolls and screens to switch. When a guy like Nico Batum, so important, comes out of that, and you put a guy in who's never really played with these guys in real time, and Amir Coffey's played small minutes this season. Don't try to convince me that he's played real rotation minutes, especially with the starters. He is not. I watch every game. I'm at every game. And that's a little and that's a little tough for him. And our defense just wasn't as sharp, but we were dying on these screens. John Morant was hitting every floater, every mid-range. And look, some of these were just incredible shots by the Grizzlies. They had a really good night shooting the ball. John Morant is able to just finish everything at the rim. Like he just goes into the teeth of the defense. Zubots and Hartenstein had some great moments where they went up vertical and he still finished. Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, I thought he did some good things on rolls. You know, he made a couple of threes, three of seven. So I guess he shot a pretty good percentage, but he honestly could have been like three of five. He took some ridiculous ones, but he had some good rolls. And I remember there was one play where we finally threw two on John Moran off the screen. We basically tried to force the ball out of his hands and Reggie Jackson was stuck between the cross court rotation or the nearest pass. You've got to take away the nearest pass first, man. This is basketball 101. I know you're worried about the three, but Desmond Bain hadn't shot in a while, and Jaron Jackson was basically free at 10 feet away. Reggie didn't rotate. And Eric Bledsoe was starting to get so confused in those screens with John Morant. At one point, he, he thought John was going to take the screen to his right, and John went the other way around him and got right to Zoo. And, you know, at times I, I, you figure, should we throw Paul George on the ball? We probably should have. We should have trapped. Next time we play the Grizzlies, I want to see John Rank get the ball like trapped on every screen. We got to give him the Dame treatment. We seriously got to give him the Dame treatment. I know he can't shoot from as deep, but just get the ball out of his hands. Honestly, I'd rather have the other guys just beat him, beat us, and chuck them way out of the chuck their way out of the game. Because the thing is, with threes, sometimes you get burned with that stuff. But more often than not, especially with a team like Memphis, this isn't the Warriors. This isn't the Rockets with Harden in those days. They will not hit everything. They clearly are number one in points in the paint. So they like feasting down low and feasting with easier buckets. And that's why they never got out of rhythm tonight. Because all their shots were routine. All their shots were fairly easy. I would rather have them chuck themselves out of the game. And I know they were making it last time. But shit, we have a real problem. Because the only way to combat this is to have switch everything sort of personnel. Or be able to switch the Steven Adams jaw pick and roll. And without Batum, without Kawhi, without Paul George, and without Senior, I, I mean, I shouldn't say Paul George. Paul George was there. I'm sorry. But without those three forwards, Kawhi, Senior, and Morris, and maybe even Serge, 
We don't have the switching personnel. We don't have the personnel to even go small because we don't have bigger forwards. So we can't put Amir Coffey at the four and Paul George at the five. That's not going to work. You know, we have to have Nico out there or senior. And tonight we didn't have Nico or senior. So we had to keep a real traditional center out there. And that's why you didn't see Zoo for the rest of the game because that pick and roll with Adams and Jaw was too hard to guard for us. And it's the second time that's happened this season with that pick and roll because we don't have the switching personnel for that specific matchup unless we go all small, which we didn't have the luxury of doing tonight. So that's why I think this is more of a matchup thing, Clipper fans. Yes, they blew the brakes off of us. We were not making our threes late third quarter and the fourth quarter. Terrence, man, he was fiending threes too much. One thing that's become a pet peeve of mine in the modern NBA, and you tell me, guys, if this was taught to you as a kid when you were playing basketball, but I used to be taught that when you pump fake a guy at the three-point line and he jumps, you take a dribble or two in and you step into that mid-range. Nowadays, you take a pump fake a guy flies by and you step to the side to stay behind the three-point line. But that's an easier recovery when he makes it back to his feet because you are sliding to your left or right. You are not going forward. You see what I'm saying? And Terrence did that tonight, and he passed up a mid-range, and he just continues continue to brick threes. And I hate when Terrence gets two in and just shooting threes because he's much more than that. He's a slasher. He's a good driver, and he has an underrated mid-range game that he sleeps on himself. So he cannot fall in love with a three because he's not good enough at threes for that anyway. He was two of nine from the field tonight and one of five from three. He It was his first, you know, he missed a game. He's probably not 100%, so we'll give him a slight pass. Five points for Terrence, not the best night. Luke Kennard, 15 points, but he didn't really get too much sh shine in the second half. Only 24 minutes, six of eight from the field and three of four from three. And in the beginning of the fourth quarter when we were down like 20 points, Ty didn't really even care to make us give us a chance to come back. He sat Paul George and was just over it and put Jay Scrub in the game. And I don't know how I feel about that. It was a little bit too much of a throw in the towel job, but I think he was thinking like, look, we lost this one. We didn't play well. I don't want Paul to overexert himself trying to get us back in this game. We move on to New Orleans. We got a back-to-back -to -back tomorrow, and I know that was on his mind, and New Orleans has been shitty. So if we lose to them, that will be an actual concern. We need to beat them tomorrow, and look, we played so poorly that our starters rested in the fourth, but Reggie Jackson's defensive effort needs to be better tomorrow. Bledsoe the same. And Bledsoe needs to be more aggressive looking for a shot only one of two and one three and he was one of one uh you know uh on twos which I remember that what it was it was a drive to the basket he scored you know he needs to be a little more aggressive if he's going to be aggressive and do what we want and that's drive to the basket he needs to keep doing that and he shouldn't hesitate four points for Eric only one of two in 25 minutes Reggie shot well from three four out of eight but 7 of 16 and some very ill-advised and rushed shots. I didn't like the way he played tonight. 18 points and 5 assists for Reg. Paul, 23 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists on 9 of 18 from the field and 5 of 9 from 3. He was carrying us. The one thing I don't like, though, 0 of 0 from the foul line. Needs to be better. I know he doesn't get calls, but he need, he should have gotten like two free throws. But he needs to keep being aggressive and attacking. But you got to give the Grizzlies credit. They have size with Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams. Coffee. Two of eight from the field and two of six from three. He should have had 10 attempts because two of them were blown by him stepping on his heel on the line. Eight points. It wasn't the best night for him. He just seemed a little bit lost and a little bit out of his depth. Isaiah Hartenstein, 11 points in 20 minutes on five of six. He was good, but it was the jaw show. 13 of 21 from the field for the young lad. Two of five from three. He was fantastic. 28 points, five rebounds and five assists and only one turnover. Desmond Bain, efficient. Again, a great game against us. 16 points, 5 boards, 7 of 11 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3. 
Dylan Brooks, as I mentioned earlier, 18 points on 7 of 14 from the field and 1 of 3 from 3. JJJ, 18 points, 6 boards, 4 blocks. His length was a problem. 7 of 16 from the field and 3 of 7 from 3. But one thing in the color cast I mentioned, this guy has so much potential and I think he can be the closest thing to a second star for them. But he is too falling in love with the 3. He needs to post up again like I saw him do his rookie year because he actually has some talent around there. Brandon Clark off the bench, just a good energizer. 15 minutes of play, 14 points on 7-9. That's it for tonight, guys. The Clippers drop to 9-6. The Grizzlies move on to 8-7. 120-108 is the final from the FedEx Forum. I will be live tomorrow, likely, likely, not guaranteeing anything, though, uh, after the Pels game. The Miami Heat move into first in the East, though, with a win tonight against the Wizards. They win that by 15, 112-97. Bradley Beal at 30 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists on 11 of 18 shooting in the loss. The big three was back tonight. Kyle Lowry had 12 assists to go along with 8 points. Bam Adebayo, 20 points, 9 rebounds, and another 30-point game for Jimmy Buckets. Third, 32 points. Five assists, four steals, one turnover on 11 of 19 from the field. Only one three-point attempt. So there you go for all you guys that think you need to be able to shoot threes to drop 30 in this league. Yeah, he's not a 30-point scorer, and I don't think that's because he didn't have a three. I think he just doesn't have too much of a bag one-on-one. But, hey, maybe this year he's gone back to that 2020 self and gained his scoring confidence back because he doesn't have, a, doesn't have as much playmaking duties with Lowry. I haven't even watched one full Heat game yet, but they look impressive from what I've been seeing and what I've been hearing. So 32 points for Jimmy Buckets. The Warriors with another win. They are flying. Steph Curry with 40 points. Clear front runner for MVP. 9 of 16 from 3. That's ridiculous. Over 50% on 16 attempts. Jesus. And he's like the only player that I'll say like majority of shots that he shoots are threes. That's fine. Like I would say that for Curry, it's okay. Beat the Cavs at the Q. 104 to 89. Cavs dropped to 9 and 8. Warriors 13 and 2. Number one in the West right now, and it's mostly due to that light-skinned guy. Big win for the Timberwolves tonight. 25-piece against the Spurs, who dropped to 4-11 and right on cue as how bad I thought they were going to be in my preseason preview. thought the Timberwolves would be better, and they look better so far. Nobody, Devin Vassell was the high man for the Spurs with 18 points off the bench, but Edwards, 13 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks on 5 of 11 shooting. Three of eight from three. I don't like that eight out of his 11 shots were threes. Carl Anthony Towns, though, 25 points, 12 rebounds, five assists. That's much better. Nine of 16 from the field and only three out of four from three. So he only shot four threes, 12 twos. That's what I like to see from Cat. And they win as a result. D'Angelo Russell, not a great shooting night. Six of 19 and four of 12 from three, but 22 points in the end. 15 for Malik Beasley off the bench, 13 for McDaniels off the bench, and 13 for Torian Prince off the bench. Probably in garbage time, though, since he only played 15 minutes. But who knows? But that's a good win for the Wolves to win commandingly. Philadelphia winning in Denver by 14, 103-89. That's a really good win without Joel Embiid. And Jokic played. The only people out were Jamal Murray, obviously, and Michael Porter Jr. That's a bad loss for... The Denver Nuggets, Aaron Gordon, 4 of 13. Monte Morris, 5 of 13. Jesus. Tyrese Maxey with 22 points and Seth Curry with 20 points. 
And then the last result, Utah beats Toronto by 16 at home. You'd expect that. 10-5, and five, the Utah Jazz. 31 for Gary Trent Jr. And an efficient 31, too. 20 for Donovan Mitchell. 20 for Rudy Gay off the bench on 7 of 8 shooting. But yeah, that's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks for joining me. I'll probably see you guys tomorrow for the Pelicans game. Now we go to the live subscribers waiting so patiently in the chat. 24 minutes, just like we had last season. Shout out to Bean.